Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I am bringing you another reunion tour episode with my good friend, Isa. Hi, Isa. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be back. I do feel like the last time we chatted, I was in Puerto Escondido, Mexico, in the beach, <laughs> and the guy, some guy sang at our Airbnb with like blasting reggae music, and we yes. just had to deal with it. We did. So it got interesting. Yeah, it's nice to. We'll see what happens today. There might yeah. be some interesting. <laughs> there, there may be some glitches, but it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we're gonna make it. Uh, so this is Issa's third time coming on to yeah. the podcast, which is great. And uh, the reason why I wanted to have her back on is because there have been some shifts in what Issa's doing. And I think it'll be interesting to hear how she's kind of maneuvering it all. And I mean, her business model is her business model, if you know who she is, and she, and she will definitely talk about it. So let's just dive right into it. For the people that don't know who you are, because I'm there's new people that listen all the time. Why don't you give them a breakdown as to how you got into reselling and how you got to where you are today? Definitely. Um, there are, I would suggest the other episodes where we chatted for hours because there's a yes, lot of yes. great nuggets in there. I'll link them. I'll link yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, definitely check out that guy's reggae music. But my name's Isa. I'm the global at the Global Collective Co. Uh, I own the Global Collective. I started, it's I've, it's a pretty interesting story and I'm not going to make it long or I'm going to try to make it as short as possible, but I have a very extensive background in corporate America, marketing, sales, brand management, all of that. Um, it leads me to part-time reselling just for fun. I, I literally started just for fun. I've lived in LA at that time and there was just so much opportunity in the city because rich people just, you know, like wear something once and they'll Mm -hmm. sell it at the buy sell trade stores or whatever. There's a ton of stuff from like the studios and the shows where people wear items once for a studio or or film or whatever. And then they just donate them because they don't care. The, The budgets have been paid. Right. And so I started there. It turned into something much bigger than I thought it would. And it definitely made me realize that, we talked about this, but I thought my path was the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. I thought that I was going to be a CMO and that was my dream. And, you know, I just got, I got like the brand manager job of a national company. And, you know, I thought that was the path. And I think reselling kind of opened this door that I always knew was there. I, I've always done like side hustles, side gigs. I did, I did a styling tour with like Stacey Lund. I've done like things here and there, but I think that was the, first time where I'm like, I love doing this. I was reselling on my weekends. I wanted to nothing to do with anything that wasn't reselling, like processing, thrifting, or I never thrifted, but I went to the buy, sell, trade stores and all that stuff. Um, anyway, Thank you for clarifying yeah. because I mean, people don't, don't always clarify. <laughs> yeah, I don't thrift. I've, I have no problem with thrifting. I think there's great opportunity, especially to anchor your costs. And like, I think it's great. I've just never done it because I started with the designer and consignment right. and I just kind of started it. And I don't know, it was a different model since day one. Uh, yeah. So I started realizing that 
there was something that I actually love to do. Now I really like marketing too. My last job was really fun and I got to build campaigns and launch products from the ground up, which has helped me a lot with this new facet of the global collective. But long story short, I quit. I've sold all of my stuff and that's all in my blog. If you want to read about it. Um, I moved, well, I guess my boyfriend and I went to just travel the world for a few months and again, another long story in between, but I, I decided that I really missed the reselling part and I would come back and do it, but I would do it my way. I would come back and build a brand and build a store and, and just have my vision on it. And I built the brand and the store and everything remotely. So I started buying product. I came up with the idea one night I couldn't sleep and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to resell, but I'm going to do it bigger and better. And it's going to be my brand and it's going to be a store and this and that. The next day I called my best friend and I was like, Hey, this only works if you help me process and ship and do everything because I was remote. I, I couldn't right. be in the U S we were traveling. And so she was like, I'm, I'm in right. I'm down. She had a little kid. She had two little girls at that point and she couldn't really go back to full-time work or anything because, you know, childcare is expensive and she it wanted is. to be home and all that. So it worked out perfectly. And the global collective was born while I was traveling. And that's kind of how everything started. I was profitable from day one. I, I always, I've been telling this story lately because I think a lot of people don't realize it's kind of strange in the community. They'll be like, well, what's your profit? But what did you, you know, how much did you bring to bring home or how, but how much do you make off of that? And it's like, you guys aren't really managing cash flow if you're thinking about that, right? Like the best way I could put it is I put in $7,000 into this project in 2019. And I have never, ever put one dime more of Issa's money into this project. And this project has now paid me thousands of dollars for the last four years, right? It owns product. It pays employees, my girl and me. Um, it now has all the digital products and all that. It keeps reinvesting in itself. I've bought bigger systems, marketing backend stuff. Um, and it's paying me to invest in my future. So it's, I think that's the idea to take from it, right? It was that little seed money that I invested four years ago is paying me to exist and it keeps expanding. And so that's kind of like- That's the biggest misconception with you. Like people, people- Isis misunderstood. <laughs> and people think- that, And people think that she's like trying to spew, like, I don't know, some pitch to people. And it's like, no, she's literally just telling you how she did it. And what yeah. you can do to mimic the exact same thing. That's all she's yeah. telling you. It's funny too, because I get, I mean, we've talked about this. I honestly, the trolls have subsided. The trolls got really out of control when I was about to launch the course, yeah. which we'll talk about. But once the testimonial started coming, it's like, what are they going to say? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you, now what? You thought mm -hmm. I was a fake. You thought it was, I was selling pipe dreams. What are you going to say now that there's thousands, you know, not thousands, hundreds, hundreds, of right, right. right. It will so be thousands. Like, <laughs> there will be for, yeah. So it's kind of like 
that that's kind of subsided but but there were a lot of trolls that were like oh well she can do it because she has money where do you think that money came from troll I don't have family money I'm not a trust fund kid like Mm -hmm. I all of the money that you guys see me make on the global collective all those flips all of that came from a seven thousand dollar investment four years ago Mm -hmm. so it's, it's, I think it's an excuse, right? People see what I flip and what I invest in product. And it's like, oh, well, it's easy because she has money. Yeah. Cause I built it because I built a ton of capital to be able to do this. Right. Right. You just said it. I was like, well, it's all about capital. And, and I think that's, so one of my biggest gripes that I've always said from day one, and it's why Issa and I get along so well, because we're very, um, we have the same mind when it comes to business and everything else is, okay, I understand that you like fashion and that you like to do this reselling thing, but like, what's your plan? Like, what's your business plan? How, like, what, how much money are you making? What do you invest? Like, what does that look like for you? And when people can't give an answer, which is most of the community, I'm sorry, guys, love you all, but it's true. Like most people can't give you that yeah. answer. Um, and that's why we need more people to advocate for knowing your numbers and understanding and not just like, okay, I owe this amount in taxes. Okay. Yeah. We all need to know that. Right. Fine. So yeah, yeah, but like, right. right, But like understanding the actual health of your business, what, what does that look like? And it's going to be different for every person because everyone's financial situation is different. Everyone's goals are different. Um, but the underlying value of it needs to be there and under like money should be invested into a business and you should continually see that growth happen. It doesn't necessarily happen right away and there's going to be dips and that's just how it works. Yeah. But, and, and I think you, you know, I think you hit it on the head too, with like, you have to keep investing in it. Right. Yes. And I think that in, it's funny because there, I think that my assumption when I first started was like, Oh God, people, people don't want to pay more than like a dollar per piece. Like they want the cheapest stuff out there. Right. But the more I talked to people and the more I was part of the community, I was like, it's not that they don't want to pay more. It's that they don't know what, you know, where to invest that money, how to invest that money. And so it, 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 I've actually seen a wave of change now with the, even with the content that's being shared. Um, when I, when I came in, there was very little business information. Mm-hmm. Now there's a little bit more. I think now you got to be careful with what information's out there and what the background is, right? Because right. not, it comes from a good place. It's just not all accurate. It's not, right. you know, and, and it, you, I think you have to be in the trenches. Like you have to have helped someone run a business, like worked for people much smarter than you to teach you these lessons and then be able to grasp them and be able to explain to people in an easy way where people get it, you know, right away with, with easy examples. And like, it's it, it just interesting to me with the investment too. When I was building the, the core, you know, I did all the, I, so for every, anyone that doesn't know about this, before I, I have a course, it's called the business build out and I launched it in October. Before I launched the course though, I did 275 individual reseller consultations. So I got a full all access mm-hmm. view into 275 different businesses, right? Not a lot of people in the community can say that. And so the, the, the next part of that is, it was really interesting to see that 
all of the business were, businesses were so different, right? Different capitals, different goals, different lifestyles, different mm-hmm. socioeconomic background, different, edu- different education level, everything was different, right? But, but there were similar hangups. I saw similar issues with all these businesses. And I was like, that's crazy. It's crazy that everything, there are so many variables here and yet they've got the same issues. And so I started, you know, building the course based off of those issues that I saw. But when I was, when I was finally done with the outline and I knew what it would look like and all of this, I asked one of my clients, one of my consultation clients that I trust, she's a smart girl and we worked together and she paid for my consultation fee. So like, I knew she was willing to invest in her business. And I asked her like, what do you think if I'm, I'm, I have a lot of, how can I say this? I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of information and it's really freaking helpful. It's great, but it's not cheap. My information is not cheap and I'm not either. Right. So it's like, I wanted to price it at a, at a point where I'm not working for peanuts. I think this information is really valuable and it could absolutely help you double, triple your business but you got to pay the piper, right? So I asked her about the price points and I was like, I'm thinking of launching this at like a $600 starting point, right? And she was like, no way. There's no way you're going to get resellers to pay you that amount for a course, even if it's going to transform their entire life. She's like, they're too cheap. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think so because at that point I was booked up every month with consultations that were $250 for one hour, right? Right. Not cheap. They're careful with their money, which is smart, especially now. So I was like, I asked a few other people and they're like, I just don't see it. Right. Like people don't pay that much in this community. And I was like, F it. Right. I think it's worth that. I'm going to position myself where I think my information needs to lie and the people that see the value in it will invest. And the people that are too scared are going to wait until, you know, the price goes up and they pay more or whatever. Um, And they were wrong. They were wrong because people are willing to invest when they understand, when they see the value that they're getting out of it, when they see the potential return and when they, when they believe, when they trust that you can lead them that way, right? So, so back to the investing is people don't realize that you have to invest to keep growing. I, I invest more and more in product every time because I get more confident and I can get more money in and more, way more money back at once, but all of that costs more money. And so it's it's this catch 22 it's this weird situation where people are really scared to spend money so you know invest money in their business so they like hoard it but hoarded money doesn't make money right, right. scared money doesn't make money and you have to invest you have to keep the money moving for it to keep growing and producing more but in order to do that you need to feel comfortable and understand your business which is where this whole idea even stemmed from for you and and I think this was like the evolution of Isa, right? In reselling, mm-hmm. never mind the global collective, it's just the evolution of you and where you kind of fit in the reselling worlds. Because go back to when you were first on, you know, season one and then again in season three, like yeah. you were trying to figure out where you fit. Like you yeah. fit as a reseller, but like, where do I fit this community? I have all this knowledge and she does, and she has valuable knowledge and she has the experience. Like, 
go back and listen to the first episode when Issa was on. She goes through all of it and, and even the second time, but like extensive knowledge working with very influential people. And we don't really have that in this community, right? So you have something really special. And it took you a little bit to figure out like, okay, I'm going to start this consultation thing, which let's be honest, at first was overwhelming and it was a lot for you. Oh gosh. Yeah. And the other thing too is like, that all stemmed from COVID, right? right? And so it was a horrible time for everyone and the world was in shambles and all this bad stuff was happening, right? And I hate to be that like cheesy example, but if that had never happened, I would have never pivoted into the services because mm -hmm. guess what? My business was thriving. I was killing it. Like day one that I started until they locked us up in March, I was killing it. And then, you know what people don't need when they're at home all day? Designer goods, right? right. They don't need to buy Gucci shoes because they're at home. And <laughs> Where are they going? <laughs> Where are you going with your yeah. brand new, you know, Chanel? Per well, it also depends, right? Rich people still had a lot of money and they were shopping. No Investments. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, but in general, my business kind of came to a halt. And so I was like, I was locked up. I had nothing to do. There were no sales happening and I was going crazy. So I was like, well, this is a great time to start that consultation business I was talking about. I have nothing but time, right? And in the beginning, it was amazing. I got great feedback and it kept growing and growing and growing, which is what you would want, right? When you start a new business or a new venture or whatever, but, but there is a cap on how much you can really do. And, mm -hmm. and my whole thing is like, you know, I don't like to work that hard. I really don't. Like I just, I'm the lady of leisure. I'm not the like hustle and grind person forever. And so the consultations were so popular that at some point they became too much. They became overwhelming. They, they, you know, it was, I remember the, the month that I stopped doing them was after May. I opened the last booking, like I just let them book without putting a cap on it because I was like, how many people, I had, I, so I increased the price every launch, right? Every time yep. that I did it. And the last round was 200, 200 or 250. I don't remember. And I was like, how many people are going to pay 200 or 250 for an hour? Right. I, I don't think it's going to get crazy. I had 75 consultations booked that month. I was like, I can't do this. This is yeah. the end. This is where it stops. Again, right? Going back to like, people are cheap in the community and they won't invest. I don't know about that. I got a completely different view from that. I actually got too much of a good response where my time was being, you know, it, it was hard because the, the whole issue I had with corporate America and working for someone was that I was trading my time for money, right? And then I find, I find this amazing business I build that I can do remotely and, and I don't have a set schedule and I don't have to like trade my time for money. And then I'm back there again. So I was like, there's gotta be a better way to, to, to help more people to do this, but not as exhausting. The other thing is I have huge respect for like, well, more than before, therapists and motivational speakers. I felt like I'd run a marathon if I did two. If I did three a day, I would lose my voice. So I couldn't do it the next day. And it was just exhausting. I was just yeah. running myself ragged. So then I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way. And I started 
Now, a friend of mine, no longer a reseller, but a British posture, Jen, she's been on me since 2019 that I need to do a course. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I'm not ready for it. I don't think I can. Then we had course mania of 2020 and everyone and their mother did a course. And I'm really happy that I did not launch at that time. Because a lot of people got burned, right? Because again, you got to check your source. It's not with bad intention. Those people are trying to help, but it doesn't mean that it's good business advice. You got to check what their background is, what their experience, who taught them to do what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. What, what experience do they have? Like what, I just think there needs to be more questions asked. And the funny thing, Daniela, is when I, so people reach out to me all the time and they're like, Isa, I really want to take your course, but I took so-and-so's course, you know, back in 2020 or last year or whatever, and I got burned and I'm just nervous to spend money again. And I'm valid. Like, well, I get it, right? It's, yeah. it's a valid point. And I think that's a disservice to like the rest of us, but at the same time, You've got to figure out you're the consumer, right? You vote with your dollars. You got to make sure you're giving the right person your hard earned cash, right? And you've got to do some research. Why did you buy the program that you bought? And Mm -hmm. another big issue is usually they went with the cheaper chicken. Oh, because it was more, you know, it was more accessible. It was, well, it was, you know, on sale. Oh, it was only this much or it was only that much. Okay. But what was the ROI on it, right? It was cheap to right. begin with, but what'd you get out of it? And so right. those are all the things that back to like investing in your business, investing in your knowledge, investing in yourself, y- you have to do it. You also have to know what you're investing in and what you're getting back. And it goes back to my whole three, even with designer, right? I personally don't like to process that much. So I'd rather throw in more cash into right. a bigger thing that's going to flip for more and need less of my time than going for the cheapest chicken. Right. So that's kind of the same theory I have with, with courses and knowledge and investing. And I will gladly pay for knowledge. I'll pay for the fast pass any day, but I'll pay for the right fast pass. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to get the cheaper chicken just because it's like a few dollars, you know, Oh, it's a couple hundred less. Okay. But is that person as effective as the expensive one? Right. And I, and I think, you know, and that's where the idea of the course really started to blossom for you. And you were like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to do this. And this is all the content that I want to put in there. And you, and it's not easy, first of all, to anyone who's listening to create a course, to think about the way that you want to organize the content, to figure out like, what do I launch now? And what do I wait and launch later? Because you want to then grab a second audience, right? Like there's, there's so many components to it. It's not just, I'm going to put this content in, make some videos and call it a day. And here you go. Here's my course. Like the type of content that you specifically put out is, is very specific and it requires an outline of, of some sort that um, I'm trying to make this sound like as nice as possible, but like When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your experience shows in the content that you produce and people will never understand it until they experience it, no matter how many testimonials, no matter what, but it's like, there are certain products that I stand behind and that I will talk about. And Isis is one of them because not only because we're friends, right? Like, yes. Okay. I am a little biased because we're friends, but in, but take that away. Like, it is 100% worth it. And I have, there's people in the Patreon group that have invested in it. There's people that just listen oh, in general yeah. that have invested yeah. in it. Like they saw the value and continue to see the value in it and talk about it still. And like they use it and they reference it. Like that says something. That is the most, so so building the course was the absolute hardest thing I have done probably ever. Yeah. Because it was something that, it was really difficult. I, I had never, and, and here's the thing. If it's a shitty course, it's really easy. You could do it in 30 minutes, right? If you, yep. especially if you have a guide on how to build a course on a platform, right? It's literally like PowerPoint presentations and you go on Canva and you record, right? But the, the density of mine, the amount mm. of information that's in mine, the number section, the how exactly how to source and all that those modules are like the sourcing, the sourcing module alone is like an hour and 30 minutes or something like that. As it and, should be. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the number and you could make it longer. That's the other thing. I it just could be- cut it. I just cut it. The original <laughs> one was way too long. And I was like, people can't hold, like that's way too much time yeah. to talk about something so dense. So I just redid it and I cut some extra, like, some things that I didn't think were essential, but it was really freaking hard. And I had multiple breakdowns, right? I recorded the, so the longest section is the sourcing section. And I recorded it, the whole thing, it took hours, an hour and something. And then I clicked the wrong button and it deleted it. So I had to re-record. Oh I, was, I was crying. It was it, it is was literally really every creator's nightmare. So was- last week or the week before, recorded an episode we were at the end I went and I hit stop record and my internet went down and I was because I didn't I did record to the computer don't not record on the cloud and I thought I lost the entire thing I didn't thank god but like that is my worst nightmare when it comes to doing this because now I have to rebook and redo this all and like think back to the previous conversation it's not easy (laughs) Well, that and you and I are like, we wing it. Like, I don't, I yeah, have like, there's no guide. script. <laughs> yeah, there's no script. I, I had a guide, but like, it was hard too because, like, I have some funny shit in there, you know, and, and, yeah. and I just lost it and I can't replicate it exactly. Nope. And so you have to go nope. back to square one and you're tired and like, you know, it was a lot of work. And the day that I launched, I messed up. So, I I wrote everything. I wrote the email marketing sequences. I did all the back end stuff. I didn't sleep the last like three days. I didn't sleep at all. I slept like three hours and I go back to work. Right. And the day of the launch, I clicked the wrong button. So I opened the doors earlier than like it was supposed to. And it was amazing because I was like, you know what? I think life was just like this, this, just make it go live. Yeah. Yeah. She can't <laughs> handle this until 6 PM. Yeah. And then, so I told everyone on Instagram, right. And I had this weird, it's weird. Cause I believe in myself. I believe in my product. I know yeah. it's great. Like I knew it, but there's some weird little insecurity. That it's that vulnerability. 
totally. It was that evil voice that we all have going, yep. nobody's going to show up. Like, you're a loser, right? Nobody's yep. coming to your party. And yep. it was just this weird, like for three minutes, I was like, no one's going to come to my party. That's, I built all this and no one's coming. And and then you have to kind of control that voice and go, mm-hmm. shut up. I don't need you, especially not right now. Right. And then the sales started coming. And so the, the, the best thing that could happen is a bunch of people started signing up, right? At the same time. Bad news is they crashed the site. <laughs> So then the site crashed and I had no idea. I mean, I built this without any prior knowledge of like teachable shout out to teachable and the lady who was with me for two hours on the support chat, helping me build this. Right. So the site goes down and I'm like, what do I do? So I'm on the chat with the person trying to figure out how to reboot the site without Mm -hmm. losing the people that bought, they can't get in. And it was really hard. So the whole point of this was, it was a really big freaking challenge from beginning to end. But when I started getting the testimonials, it didn't matter. Like it was just, it was, it was, the, it was the coolest, the most amazing feeling to put so much of me and, and, mm-hmm. and so much into this project. And then, and then the feedback was absolutely insane like people started immediately on the course I started getting testimonials like a few hours after it went live and I was like this is freaking amazing and it's just completely changed I've said this before like when I started the global collective I've always liked pretty things and designer clothes and I worked in fashion and all that and I love flipping designer I'll never stop one, it's the best ROI you can get. Like not even the stock market can hit that. Nothing right. can hit that right now, right? Um, but it's kind of like it's kind of like gambling at the casino. It's like fun and exciting. It's like at the blackjack table, right? Mm-hmm. But this the course and the and the consultations and the, the mentorship calls, it's a it's a sense of like purpose. You know, there's a there's there's something, I'm not just flipping Gucci and making money. I'm actually making a difference, right? And like all these people, all the testimonials, if you go and look at them in my, on my page, they say like the testimonials for the course say course. And then the testimonials back in the day from the consultations just say testimonials. Um, but to see people like I, I've doubled my profit in, you know, three months and I'm working half the time and making the same money. And they're just absolutely insane. And those people do not get a damn penny to say any of that. I don't mm-hmm. offer gift cards, nothing. Right, right? Right, right. I might start an affiliate program next year just because there's so many students now. And I do think that you've seen it. I mean, they post mm-hmm. all the time about it. Mm-hmm. I think they should be able to get something back. Um, but, and I think my ego is like, no, it has to be free or it does, you know, it has to be like genuine or it doesn't count, but it's like, no, I, if you genuinely believe in a product, you push it because you love it. Right. And right. it's only, only going to be open to students. So, but that hasn't even happened yet. So any testimonial you see on my page was genuinely written by the person mm-hmm that got the help that got the program and started winning. So it's, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. And I think it's changed your perspective on a lot of things too. And um, so you kind of alluded to it when it comes to like reselling versus the consultation course, and now kind of moving into the 
helping people one-on-one with marketing and all that, mm-hmm. right? Like there's this other aspect of ESA that's happening that mm-hmm. we'll talk about as well. Where do you think it all kind of fits? Like, where do you see yourself leaning to more? Cause like three years ago would have been like, oh, it's 100% reselling. I'm just going to keep selling yeah. these designer goods. But do you see yourself maybe going more into that, like motivational speaking, helping people one-on-one mentoring and keeping the reselling as like a thing that's there for that constant flow of money? No, no, because I really like it. And I think there's huge opportunity in the reselling. Yeah. I actually, I've, I've made some really big bets. My girl's on vacation. She hasn't, June was kind of slow and it kind of sucks. So it doesn't matter. She was gone for two weeks and I was like, just go. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. It, it's fun. Um, but I'm making some really big bets in reselling. So it's definitely not going away and it's, it's, it's definitely going to grow. Um, I don't want to say too much yet, but it's going to, we're going to the next level at the GCC reselling. We're just going next level. Um, so absolutely not. I really, really enjoy it. It's something that is really fun and easy to me. I mean, that's the easy money, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, and I, I, no, I'll never stop reselling. And I think it's just gonna be half and half, right? I've got half of my attention here. I don't think I'm going to ever do the one-on-ones again. Um, I might offer it as like a, you know, I, I might do like 15, 20 for my students um, every yep. six months yep. because a lot of them ask for it, but I see the value obviously, right? You get one-on-one attention. I'm literally digging through your numbers and I tell you exactly what's happening. Um, right. but two, two things that bother me about that. One is my time. I got, I was just going to say that that's going to burn you out again. <laughs> I got burnt out. So I think I've got like a little bit of like, you know, the heebie-jeebies mm. from what happened. Um, so I want to test it and see how it goes. But the other part of it is they've learned more not having me one-on-one because there's a whole course that they can go back to. And in every in reference. section, reference, right? And in every section I give them examples of, if you see this, this could be a sign of this, this, and that. And then the very last section is called troubleshooting. And so when I did the consultations, I did a lot of follow-ups. So I know exactly what happens later on, right? Because right. here's the thing, shit's going to happen. Like things, oh, things yeah. are going to go wrong. Like nobody, I, I just posted this today. I'm not promising my students a perfect business, but I'm giving them a tool that they have lifetime access to that can help them figure out where they went wrong, you know, when you fall off the wagon, because it's going to happen. And then how to find that error, fix it and get back up. And so it's really cool because you'll see it in the testimonials too. A lot of people just self, you know, course correct. They go back, they take the lesson. They're like, oh, I see that. This isn't that. Where if they could just access me every few months, they'd want me to solve it. And the, the whole point, and I would tell my consultation clients this, it's not about the money. I don't want you to book me every six months. I think at some point I'm helping you. I'm giving you the tools. I'm showing you the ropes. I don't want you to need me forever. Right. If you do want me once a year, cool, right? But I want, so my goal for my students is for them to be able to problem solve and to kind of, you know, troubleshoot their own business and go, 
okay, I don't know exactly what's wrong, but Issa said to check this, this, and this. When she talks about this, this is usually what's happening. So this, this, and this is probably what I'm gonna check. And as part of their course material, they have to go find theories, test them out and see what works. Right. So that's kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that the one-on-ones will ever come back full force. It was just way too much, but the, co- the course is what you need. It's got everything in there. If you fall off the wagon, you can go right back. And will there be, do you think a course 2.0 where like you launch something else or will you continuously add on to what you have? So people buy in, they've got add-ons that come. So they will have, they already have an add-on. I have a consignment course in there. Um, And I think I'll add slowly, but it's a lot of material. I also, when I was doing the consultations, it's funny because you have to track data. A lot of people don't track anything, right? So that's bad. But there is such a thing as too much data. Mm-hmm. So the number one reason that people stopped tracking their data in my consultations was because of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. They either had sheets that were really good because there's people in the community that are data analysts, which, you know, they're amazing. They did that for a living. But for us regular people, that's way too much. Yeah, it's you can't understand it. No, your brain can't process all of it together and get the ideas that it needs to get, right? right. And so th- th- that was kind of like, there is such a thing as too much data. And my, so I also, since we last spoke, I launched the GCC business yeah. dashboard yeah. with my new business partner, Christine, who is a brilliant 27-year-old mining engineer. Uh, we met through destiny, right? She took my, so she actually took booked a consultation with me and she sent me her spreadsheet. And I was like, who is this person? Like this spreadsheet is ridiculous, right? What, who, what do you do for a living? What do you want from me, girl? Right? Like go figure, she's like Einstein's daughter. And so we meet and we're going through everything and she tells me what she does. She literally calculates like the, uh, the outputs for copper mines for a living and, and tries to optimize like literally the rotations on a tire so that the mine can. Break. I was like, well, what do you want with me, girl? Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you here? Yeah. And she was like talking to me. And I was like, I stopped the consultation at like the 20 minute mark. And I was like, Christine, you don't need me. You need to stop looking at your data. You are in analysis paralysis and you're never going to jump. You have too much stuff here. There were too many charts. There was too many formulas. There were too many calculations. You need to understand what's going on in your business, but there's no guarantees, right? You need enough information to jump and then you just jump. And so when I told her that she was like, oh, well, can you imagine telling a, a mining? I was just going to say, telling someone like that, just jump. They're like, uh, and, and, and stop no. looking at the data. She's yeah. like, what? What do you mean? And I'm like, I need you to, here's the thing. I'm like, I'm going to refund you the consultation fee. Okay? You don't need me. You need to stop looking at so much data and just jump, do something, right? right? And I was like, I'm going to give you the money back, but there's a caveat. You have to spend the entire thing on one item. Like 
this week, just go and blow it on something, right? Yeah. She later confessed that she spent it on like three items. She she wasn't there yet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so we talked and then life went on. I built the course. And as I was building the course, I was missing an essential piece, a data tracker, right? I love numbers, but not at that level, right? right? I'm right. not a data analyst. I'm not someone that's magic spreadsheet maker or whatever. And I was a little embarrassed that what I was offering my clients was my shitty, like, beginner spreadsheet. So I was like, okay, I reached out to somebody in the community that I thought had a really good one that, that my clients had showed me, right? But they had stopped tracking because it was too complicated. So mm. I reached out and asked that person if they could build me something a little more broken down, right? Right. Didn't work out with her schedule. And I was like, okay, fine. I launched the course the way. It was better than nothing, right? My spreadsheet. And a week later, Christine messages me, sends me like response to some funny story that I posted. And I was like, oh my God, that's Einstein girl. Like that's the girl with the crazy spreadsheet, right? And just on a whim, I'm like, hey, Christine, any chance that you know how to build dashboards? And she responds, that's what I do at work. I build these like really complex calculators to help minds understand how they can optimize output. What and I was like, crazy, oh. like, what is, is that not like serendipity? Is that yeah. not like, yeah. It was Matt. I was like, oh my God, Christine, I have a business proposal for you. And literally two weeks later, the dashboard was born. Um, that, first of all, the fact that she completed it in two weeks is mind blowing to me because dashboards is, take me forever. <laughs> no, no, no. She's like next level wild. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Back to the whole thing about if I'm ever going to leave reselling yeah. or not. Right. There's the three, there's two parts to the global collective now we we're still gonna do the reselling but it's gonna go bigger and better and then it now has a services and digital product right. side which is growing and, and the dashboard is the first digital product I mean the course and the dashboard yeah um but it's just been really cool to open up these new spaces because number one I don't know if you've experienced this in the community I made a post about it but that's the, another reason people used to troll me it's like oh she's not a real reseller if she's making money on other stuff uh it's okay well that's called expanding it's a part of reselling though yeah (laughs) well yeah and it's like I don't know are you mad at Jeff Bezos because he's like owning Whole Foods now on top of delivering your books I am so glad he owns um Whole Foods the prices have just come down so much Are you, do you think less of him because he now has robotics and pharmacy? It's silly. It's like a silly, I don't know. I think it's an insecurity that people have, whatever, but it's been amazing because I've been able to grow. So, you know, my situation, I'm a traveling gypsy. I'm always in a different place. Every three months we go like spend time here in Mexico city at a beach, whatever. And I can't, I can grow reselling but I can't blow it up because I'm not there. Right. So there's a cap on how big I can make it before I have to reconsider going back or being there or whatever. Um, But there's no cap on the information. There's no cap on digital products because they live on a cloud in the sky. Right. Correct. So, and it's more of like, it's really cool because the course came from, there was a need. I did 275 consultations. There was obviously a space for this product. 
And the dashboard was my selfish request. I needed something better for me and for my students, right? right? It came out so amazing that I was like, let's sell it. Let's offer it to everyone because you don't really need the course to use the dashboard. I mean, you've got your right. own numbers. You can start understanding the data. And then from there, you know, if you're interested in learning more about how that works, then you can upgrade to the course or whatever. But yeah, it's just, it's it's been really cool how how much the business has grown, you know, and all these different, I'm getting to do a lot of stuff that I love for my own brand. I'm the boss. I decide what goes, what stays, you know, all of that. And I actually recently reached out to my, the last boss I had in corporate America, he was the chief marketing officer for that company. And now the guy is the freaking global, global marketing officer for like a huge energy company that everyone knows. And I reached out to him. I saw him in San Diego, like six months ago. I don't remember when, and we were joking. And I was like, it was before the launch. It was before the course launch. And we were joking. And he's like, when are you coming back to work for me? And I'm like, you can't afford me anymore. Are you crazy? (laughs) There is no way, right? There's no way. And we joked about it. Ha ha ha. And then the course happened and then the digital products came or whatever. And I recently wrote him and I'm like, you literally cannot afford me anymore. And he's like, I am so proud of you. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is amazing. And he's just, he was always really supportive day one. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, no, I'm never leaving reselling. I love it. Uh, But I love what I'm doing. And I missed I really missed the marketing side. I missed it way more than I thought I did. And so that was, that's been another opportunity, right? Because with the course and the dashboard, I got to build these products from scratch, like like from nothing, from an idea in my head into an actual product with a design, with the logo, with branding, with a web page, with the marketing strategy and all that. And it's just been really cool, Daniela. Like, I'm really, really happy with... In case you can't tell, she's been smiling the whole time, yeah. which is like a totally <laughs> different version. And I think this is like the human element too of like yeah. the evolution of Isa and like, I can see it and I've seen yeah. it, but it's like, it almost like... Hu- it humanizes us because people only think of us behind a screen and like they only totally. see that persona, right? Yeah. And it's like, there's this whole other element to me that you just don't know because... Like you, you, you can feel the emotion coming out of you as you're talking about it. Like it's, it excites you so much and you're so proud of it. And the fact that you've been able to connect with the community in a way that other people haven't been able to, and you've created this whole thing, this, this whole entity within reselling that no one's ever done before in our community, right? It happens in other communities. It's maybe it's in the eBay community. I don't know, but within this Poshmark realm of the community, it didn't exist. And you're kind of like the point of contact. And I don't think you saw yourself in this specific role that you're in now three years ago. No, no, I had no idea the community existed until you reached out to me. I mean, I think that was the first part. I was like, oh, there are a lot of people here. But at the same time, it's like. I mean, you weren't in it then. You weren't in it like that. No, no, I was. No, it was product facing. I wasn't Mm -hmm. giving tips or anything yet. But the. But at the same time, I think that, I don't think I'm for everyone. Definitely not, right? And I think that that's been very clear. But that's okay. 
I'm totally fine with that. I that is, <laughs> could care less. <laughs> I could care less because that that's the whole thing. Like I think what happened is I found my people. I found the people that understand what I can offer. Yeah. I found the people that understand that there's value in what I say and that it's an investment, but it's for their good. Like it's you know, like I think they see the return. I think they see that it's genuine. I think they see that I am like, I believe in what I say. I use it. They see it in my sales. I share a lot of information with them, especially in my quarterly calls. So I think I have a really good friend. She's a mentor. She's a little bit older than me, but not that much older, but she was like the, she was like the head of PR for a big department, a department store. And I always looked up to her and I thought she was really cool, stylish, you know, black woman with like always like the really nice suits and like the Chanel and whatever. Right. And we'd, we'd have like, definitely my mentor. I mean, I definitely look up to her. I'm going to tell her about this so she can listen to it. But um, she gave me some really good advice when I was starting because I've always been this way. I'm a little polarizing, not in a bad way, but I say what I think. I don't give a shit. Right. If you don't like me, then move it along. It's fine. Um, But she was like, don't, just be you and the people that like you, your people are going to love that you are you. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and actually every so often shake the tree, say something that is going to force people to really like you or really not like you because the people that drop off didn't like you anyway, they weren't going to buy your product. They aren't believing in your dream. They're not going to be a part of your community. Let them go. Right. And so once she said that, I was like, I love that. I love that. So every so often I'll stir the pot a little bit with stuff that, you know, is true, but I'll lose a bunch of followers and I'm like, good riddance. Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Um, but then the people that, that are my people get it and they'll, they'll go in and they'll go like, yeah, oh my God. Amazing. That's what I think too. Like, I totally see that. That's right. Like, we're not going to like, you know, work for pennies and I'm going to build wealth. And it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. cool. You're my people. You're welcome. Right. It is what it is. For those that are newer to you and this might be like one of their first, or maybe this is maybe a second time or third time they've heard you and they, they see the things you post, right. Regarding Mm -hmm. the flips that you have and all of that. Um, I think there's a misconception that like you have to spend X amount of dollars to create X return, you know, all of that. Right. And, and I think people need to realize that you started by flipping Tory Burch flats and have moved your way up as you've learned. And as you figured out what sells and what's worth it and all, and you've improved your sourcing strategy. Yeah. How can someone who's newer, who yeah. admires or looks to you and is like, yeah. I, I think this is the step that I want to take, but I don't know if I want to go to the route of that luxury. I don't know yeah. if that's really what I want to do. So how can I mimic what you do, but apply it to myself in my whatever place I live in? And I can find more of like those mid-tier type of brands. Well, so the, the, that's absolutely a misconception. I love doing designer and I'm going to do designer forever. And I'd rather do all designer. Right. But the majority of my students are mid tier flippers that are sprinkling in designer. Right. And probably one of my most successful students 
I mean, she, she probably makes way more than I do by herself. And she's at a, like, I would say like a 50, she's probably at like a 60, 70 average profit, which is much lower than mine. She's just the volume and the profit meet. Um, and she kills it. So it's not about flipping designer. It's about understanding where you stand, right? Where your business is right now and facing it. If it's ugly, if it's not where you want it to be, that's fine, but you got to know, right? And then the second thing is, where do you want it to be? And I'm not necessarily talking about the product. I'm talking about numbers. How much money do you want to make? What is that long-term goal, right? If you're a part-timer, I want you to give me a number. Like I want to pay off that. I had a student who paid off a $10,000 credit card debt, right? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. This is her side hustle and it Mm -hmm. paid off her $10,000 ugly high interest debt. That was her goal. So, so I would, if you're newer and you see my flips and you're like, I don't want to do Chanel, don't do Chanel. You don't have to do Chanel to make really great money, but you have to understand your data, your business, your personal goals, where you stand now and where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you reverse engineer and figure out what's going to get you there the quickest. Right. And the other thing is a lot of people will say, oh, well, I don't want to do the high-end stuff. I, I like to thrift. I only like to thrift. That sounds like fear to me, right? Because you you lose nothing trying to flip, trying to figure out online sourcing. It's an added bonus. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a, what's it, what's the, I can't think of the word. It's incremental business. So like if you're thrifting and you're killing it, why wouldn't you test run a little online sourcing with higher profit? It comes to your door. You're, you're, you're steaming, listing, shipping, photographing stuff anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. so when people draw such a hard line in the sand that they're like, well, I don't want to online source. I just want to thrift. I think you're scared, right? And most people it. are scared of online yeah. sourcing. They don't yeah. understand it. And, they, and I think a lot of it is just you have to sit in front of the computer and you have to just do it. But that's really, it's like when you're on a website looking for something for yourself. It's the same thing. But the thing, I've read this in many books and articles and stuff that people have a bigger aversion to loss than than what they could stand to win, which is crazy, but it's true, right? I had a, I actually, it's on my stories today. I won't, it probably won't be there when people listen to this, but somebody wrote to me last night And she was like, I need help online sourcing. I feel like it's overwhelming and I don't know where to start. And it's easier just to check comps when I'm at the store than doing it online. And I don't, all this stuff. Right. And I wrote her back. I want to read you what I wrote her back. Cause I, it was really great. I've heard that so many times too. It's like, I just don't know where to start. It's so overwhelming. How do I even know where to filter and like what to look at? Message. She said, I need help online sourcing. My struggle is that it seems overwhelming and I worry about extra shipping costs. Okay, girl, build it into your costs, right? Right. However, I can see that it may be better and easier going into the store. Okay, so she goes on to say that she prices based on comps, which you know how to feel how I feel about that. Never. <laughs> Never. We could have another episode about that's that. That's a whole that's a whole bonus content <laughs> episode for the Patreon group. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, but my response to her was, okay, a few issues I already noticed in this message that could be affecting your business. Number one, 
it seems, quote unquote, mm. is based on feelings and feelings. assumptions, not facts, right? Overwhelm is usually a lack of knowledge. You feel overwhelmed by something you're new to. But like everything, once you have a guide to it, it's actually super easy. And my example was, this is where I was really proud. And I was like, you know, I had a headache. Um, I was like, it's like if I asked you right now to read a really big essay in Spanish, that would be overwhelming for you. I could read an essay in Spanish right now, this second, from bed without thinking about it. Not because I'm some genius, just because I know Spanish. That's the key, right? Mm -hmm. It's not all of us that are online sourcing and flipping and designer and all the things that you see people do. We're not geniuses, right? We just learned how to do it. And so that's the key. If you're feeling overwhelmed about online sourcing, take that word out because that's got feelings, right? It makes you feel like it's bigger. The reality is you don't know much about online sourcing. So the way that you get over the hurdle is you start learning about it. You gotta do it. (laughs) You gotta do it. You start figuring it out. And and you have to fail. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you have to fail. None of us win on every single uh, flip. Right, it's it's a numbers game, right? You got to make enough money so that you live comfortably and it pays for your mistakes, and you got to be okay making them, right? But then Mm -hmm. that my whole thing is like, that's where your options come in, right? You could a take the free route, Google. Google has all sorts of answers for you. Mm-hmm. You could filter filter through the free information, test run some stuff, see if it works, see if it doesn't, trial and error, and invest your time. Or you could pay some for the fast pass, except the fast pass is expensive, right? Right. going to cut your time in a fourth. It's going to give you a proven strategy exactly how to do it, but it's going to cost you. So those are the options. Or three, you could stay scared and overwhelmed and not do anything about and it. Never do it. Yeah. So those are the options. There was but um it can be done. I mean Absolutely. So recently I shared with um in our little Discord for the Patreon group, one of my flips that I recently had. And I just posed them a question. I was like, what would you guys do in this situation? And so it was a pair of these Gucci shoes that I had found mm-hmm. on the real rail for. Uh, they were there like right under a hundred dollars or they were a hundred dollars. And all wow. I had to do was go to the cobbler, have him fix them up a little bit. Like it yeah. cost me 30 bucks and not a big deal. And they were my size and they came with the dust bag. I wore them like once and then I just yeah. never wore them again. So finally I listed them and I knew just by research alone, because I love to research and that's who yeah. I am. Yeah. I knew the style was going to sell. Like I was not concerned about this piece selling. So I priced them really high. I mm-hmm. priced it, I think at like five, almost $500, yeah. five, five fifty in that range. And they had wear, like mm-hmm. it had wear on it, but I yeah. knew that, that pairs worse than mine sold for Absolutely. that $400 range. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'll give myself a little bit of a cushion, work for with a little bit of offers. And then, but my end goal is to get at least 400 for these. Yeah. Um, and I asked them, I got an offer. I don't remember. It was like for three and change. I don't remember how much mm-hmm. it was. And I sent this person a message, but I didn't tell the group that. I was like, what would you guys do in this situation? All of them, all of them said they would take it. And I was like, well, why? And they're like, well, you only paid X amount of dollars. So you might as well just, just, just take the money. And in some situations I do that. Totally. Not yeah. with this pair of shoe that yeah. I knew that I could get more money for. And I was confident 
that I could do. And if this person wasn't going to give it to me, someone else would. And it was, it was just an interesting process for me too, because I know my mentality has changed around it as well, but you need to know the worth of like, what is that item worth to you? And you need to stand by that and be comfortable with it. But then also understand the difference of when it's okay to just say, all right, like I'll take this yeah. amount because I can yeah. reinvest it into something better. But it was just really fascinating to me to see so many people say, no, I would just take it. I wouldn't even think twice. Meanwhile, I sent the girl a message said, hey, can you meet me here? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Will you give me free shipping? Sure. No yeah. problem. I'll do that for you. Yeah. And I, but here's the, here's the uncomfortable truth that people don't want to face. You know, what comes down to though, is do you need the money or not? Right. Because if you need the money, you're making decisions out of desperation. If you don't need the money, you can be clear headed and decide if you counter, because if you counter, I mean, and this is a lot more complex that, right, than this conversation. Yeah, it would take forever to explain this, but like the way that my business is structured, I've got items that come in for velocity to keep the cash flow going. Yep. And then there's investments, right? Yep. I'm not going to take any amount on the unicorn, like special piece. Other things I'm like, eh, hundred bucks out the door, right? Right. So it just depends. But the reality is it comes down to money. The reason I can hold, and people always ask like how I'm able to price so high and how I get away with it. A, because I got the balls to do it, right? Yeah, I was going like, to say, I, because we can. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need the money. And I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, that, and I don't care. I don't, because I, I not don't. that I don't care about money. It's just I don't no, need it's, it to run. And I don't care what someone thinks about my price. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want I it, don't care yeah. about that. No, and, and, and then it comes down to like market saturation, right? Like I sold a, a I purchased a bag. I purchased a little Chanel bag for $700, which was ridiculous for a crystal encrusted Chanel bag, right? So I swiped that baby immediately, right? And I just, I priced it at $2,900. Okay. It was, it was an excellent condition, but it wasn't new. Like you would, like it was a little bit like, you know what happens to satin? It gets a little fuzzy, whatever, but it was beautiful, right? Priced it at $299, I think, and I sold it for $2,600, $2,700 on that's, eBay. That's amazing. Insane, right? But here's the thing. A, I didn't need that money to run. I could have sat on that Chanel purse for 10 years if I wanted to because mm-hmm. my bills are getting paid. I've got money to pay myself. I've got money to keep going to right. tours, pay my girl. So I'm not desperate, right, to get that money. So the other part of that is, when the sale like it gives you the courage to price higher because you don't really need it and then the other part of that equation was there were like three of them in market and mine was the best picture the best condition right And 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 it was on ebay and i mean there the reviews matter right i mean yes. i have trusted I don't know how many reviews I have now, but they're all five star. And so it was like, it's me or the other two that are shittier girlfriend, like take your pick. pick. Yeah. And so she bought it. And so that's where it's like, a lot of people ask me about, you know, how do you know when to hold? How do you, well, there's a lot to that equation. 
what yeah. the reality is, it comes down to how bad do you need that money? Because mm-hmm. people always ask me, well, how long should you hold on to something? It depends. That, yeah. But that <laughs> question usually means you need the money. Because mm-hmm. if you didn't need the money, you wouldn't be that worried about how long it's going to take, right? One of the things that I think the community in general has this idea of, of like, if you have a piece longer than a year, that's bad. If you have a piece longer than two years, it's bad. And and I have learned with my experience in the community is that it doesn't necessarily matter how long that piece has been sitting there. It depends on what that piece is. Like there's so much more that goes into it. Like if I've yeah. had a pair of Madewell jeans for three years, it's time for me to get rid of them, yeah. mark them yeah. down, do whatever. But if it's been three years and I've had this very special piece that is, I don't know, from whatever designer and it's vintage and it's unique and it was worn by queen whoever right. years ago do you know what i mean like yeah. that's different you hold on yeah. to that to the right person yeah. comes along yeah and i think that, that it, again that's something that's missing in the community is the investor mentality right like there are pieces they're an investment i had a i had an alexander mcqueen leather jacket that i bought for 200 bucks on poshmark and it took about i want to say six to seven months to sell right? So, but when it sold, it sold for 1300. What else could I do with my $200, mm-hmm. right? In our current economy, <laughs> yeah. that would give me $1,100 profit in six months. Absolutely nothing. Right. There is absolutely nothing I could do. I don't even know if the roulette would give me that payout. Is that right? Right. Right. No. I don't, I don't think so. So right. there is absolutely nothing I could do with that piece or with that money that would give me that return. So then was I ever like, Oh my God, I, it, you know, it's been six months and five months and it hasn't sold. It's got to go. Why? Right. It takes up one small space in my inventory. Right. It's a jacket. It's not that mm-hmm. big leather. It's thin. So it's like when people ask me that, A, there's no one answer. B, I don't know your inventory and I don't know what your goals are and I don't know what you're aiming for. Right. And then there are good and bad products. There are better products. Like, would I hold on, like you said, to a made well dress for that long? Absolutely not. But a but a unique collector's Chanel piece, you better you know you better know that I am right. Right, and I think that's that's the difference. It all depends on what you sell. Like, there's so many components to it. So to have a blanket statement of like every 60 days you should be going through your things and like liquidating whatever. No, it it depends. Do I like to sell things in a 90 days time frame? Yes, but it's only those items that are like my filler items, kind of like what you said. That's my bread and butter that I know that the cash flow is going to come in regardless. Those pieces, I kind of want them to go as quickly as they can because I got to bring more of those in to balance. That's the reason they're brought into the business in the first place. But I think people are too quick to, to just say good, bad, right? 90 days, it's gone, this and that. And it's like, there's so much more. And I think the problem with that is it comes from this bad reseller community advice where like people just copy each other and what they're Mm -hmm. saying. And it's like, well, this person said not to do this, this and this. Okay, well, your business is different. You're a different person. You have different capital. You have different goals, you have different dreams. So why would you base your strategies on someone else's business on someone else's thoughts 
one, you don't know their background. You have no idea where they got this information. Like right. I used to, used to drive me insane where people were like, I would post a, a flip. Right. And it was like, I paid a hundred dollars for something and I got 200 back. So I got a hundred dollar profit and somebody would be like, why aren't you following the three times rule? the three times cost rule. And I'm like, what are you talking? I have no idea what you're talking about, lady. And I have worked in corporate America in marketing and sales and different companies. I've never heard that, right? And so it turns out that it was somebody on a Facebook group that posted that. And that is something that they do in the hospitality or the restaurant industry. I don't know. Ah, okay. Know I've never worked in there, right? But right, right, apples right. to oranges, lady. Like you're talking about a totally different thing. And now you've got this but fake false idea that you must flip for triple your cost or it's not good. Guess right. what? I got a hundred bucks in my hand while you're figuring out how to do that triple <laughs> cost thing, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's all this like bad information, like the keep your cost of goods low in terms of what, in relation to what, what are you talking about? There's no, right. there's, not, there's not enough data. There's not enough information right. in that statement for it to make sense. But then low to you means something different to me, means something exactly. different to the next person. It's relative. So then right. how can we go and be like, keep your cost of goods low? What does that even mean? Right. But there's no way to quantify it between all of us because it means something different to everyone's situation. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous. And then that gets posted and people are like, oh, well, I should keep my cost of goods as low as possible. And I only can flip when it comes back three times my cost. And it's like, these are all fake rules. I have no idea where they came from. Right. right? It's and it was just, it's just people. I think what happens is people share their experiences and yeah. those who either look up to that person or have less experience than the person that's talking about it is like, okay, well, if it works for them this way, then it must be what it is. Right. And then it kind of, and then it just keeps going. Right. It just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Here's what you don't, it, there's just so much. And I think from this whole episode, like there's so much opportunity and there's so yeah. many ways to do things. And it's just really understanding what business actually means. Yeah. And how to run an effective, effective business. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Which people forget is what this is. Yeah. And, and the, it's the, not a business to everyone. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. If this doesn't apply to you, then, you know, don't put the shoe on. But right. the, the whole thing too is like, oh God, the one that drives me insane is like, there's no, there's no one way to run a business. There's no right way to run it. You can do whatever you want with your business. Sure you can. Yeah, right. That's just life. You can do whatever the heck you want with your money, <laughs> yeah, your time, with anything, right? the way but you work there out. There is a way to run a profitable business. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think people are interchangeable in corporate America? Because there are basic structures and principles that all businesses follow, all successful businesses. Yeah. So then you got people, dummies out there going, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And there's no right way to run a business. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. There is a more profitable way and then there's whatever Mickey Mouse way you want to do. And that's fine. If you choose not to follow the data, not to structure, not to set up strategies, that's totally fine. If, if this is a fun little hobby for you, right. totally fine, totally respectable. But don't tell people who are trying to build a business or-, or And pay the mortgage. Or their livelihood depends on this, right? right? 
there's no way to run a no right way to run a business, then how come everyone in the rest of the world and these big companies is interchangeable? Oh, because there is structure and strategy and principles that apply mm-hmm. to everything, whether whether you're running a lemonade stand or a reselling business or a Fortune 500 company, there are principles that matter. There yeah. are ways to structure and strategize. It's important. I and mean, then that's, those are the keys. And so that one drives me off the wall, if you can't notice. Yeah. <laughs> and Issa also just tells it how it is. So <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy because if you're a bigger reseller saying that and you tell that to a newbie, you give them this false sense of like, you know, oh, I can yeah. do whatever I want because it's okay and I'm going to make money. You, you might, might in the beginning. Yeah. But at some point, like, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to structure, strategize if you want to keep growing. If you want to expand the business, right. there is a way, there is an easier way to work and it's to follow basic business principles, to structure, to have strategies, repeatable systems mm-hmm. in place that are going to help you win. Right? Absolutely. I, before I let you go, because we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but oh, yeah. it's really late where you are. And I feel guilty that we're even talking this late right now. Um, oh, I, I know, I know, but I feel guilty. <laughs> um, so there's this whole economy right now in the way the world is. And there's a lot of mention of how people aren't able to spend the way they once did. And I think it's true, right? To an extent, yeah. yes. There's there's certain people that are really affected and there's certain people that aren't really affected at all, um, but may change their buying habits because going on a trip is more important to them than buying whatever, right? So I, I know that a lot of us have felt it. I've felt it myself along with other things where, yeah, it's definitely slowed down and it's harder to make that money in the way that maybe even it was last year, right? Mm-hmm. How what's the best advice you can give to someone who's sitting here like, okay, great. You sell the luxury items. So it's super easy for you to be able to flip those blah, 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 whatever Isa. But like, I have these average items here and they used to sell and they used to sell for a decent profit. And now I can't move them at all. And they haven't changed anything. And I just don't understand, like, is this, is it because of the market? Like, what do you tell to someone? Cause I know you get these questions all the time. So like, what do you say to someone who's I, in this situation? I do, and I would, Number one, I would suggest people go read the most recent testimonials on my page, regardless of the course or not. I want you to see that those people are winning big. The biggest they've done since they started way up from last year, less units during this economic shitstorm, right? Mm -hmm. Just making, they're running off of, they have a, number one, they have a plan. They've got a long-term goal. They've got a vision. They've got strategies in place. They've got systems in place, right? They're not running this business out of fear and desperation. So part of my curriculum, part of the course is that they build a personal emergency cash stash, right? That would be three to four, five months of cash of bills stacked in like a high yield savings account for Mm -hmm. their personal life. And then they're supposed to build a business cash stash. So right now, if I didn't sell anything, not one item for the rest of the year, which I hope I didn't just jinx myself, right? But if that happened, I could still run the business, pay my girl, pay myself and source. 
because I got a, a big cash stash in the business. That helps me make more sound decisions, right? So the first thing I would do, actually, I would, I would say that people are being affected disproportionately, right, by all of this. So if you've noticed, the people that are taking the biggest hits in our community are the people that sell the lowest cost goods. Why? Because the people that were shopping from them, right, where they used to be able to treat themselves to a new thing here and there are having to choose between filling up their gas tank and filling up their fridge, right? right. There are serious issues in the economy and it's going to get way worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. The reality is, and I don't think this is something a lot of people like to hear, but it's true. Not everyone is affected by it. Right? right. That's the truth. I always think of like, I mean, we don't have any kids. We don't have any mortgages. I don't have any debt or whatever. Right. My, my cousin and her husband are in their early and mid thirties. They both have jobs. So it's a dual income, no children. They pay rent. I mean, it's in Los Angeles and it's expensive, but you know, they right. got their car or whatever. They definitely notice that groceries are more expensive and they did complain about gasoline being $8 and Los Angeles for a while, right? So they were aware of it, but they could still go out to dinner. They still buy their like things, right? They still go on trips. So the reality is there are still people that have money to spend. So the question I would ask yourself is, are you playing in that space? Are you catering to the people that still have money to spend, right? And everyone across the board is going to tighten the purse strings, right? Oh, yeah. Even the rich people. But tightening is very different from, like, having to choose between filling your fridge and, like, buying, you know, groceries. A handbag, whatever. Yeah. And so that's the first thing I would consider is what are you, what space are you playing as all, what's, what space are you playing in as all of this is happening, right? You got to fish where the fish are. Are you fishing where the fish are? That would be the first question, right? The second question would be, I would do like a deep inventory cleanse, right? Because I just posted about this too on my Instagram. If your business is, and, and there are going to be slow months. We all have That's them, just like, the way it is, especially cool. right now in the summer. It's just the way that it can yeah. be. But I was, so right before June, I was on track for last year. Like I was beating last year with less units. So I was selling way more expensive units this year, which is kind of crazy, right? Given Mm, what's happening. That's interesting. Um, And June, I took a, June was pretty ugly, uh, but I'm, but it's still not that bad for me. Right. 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 Um, I would really start to figure out like, oh, so I, I, did a post recently. That oh, was that's it. Oh, that's it, the post. Yeah. And hold on. Oh, liquidating inventory. I actually had a point I wanted to make on that because the first thing that I do when I notice that things slow down or like there's something off and I, I didn't change anything is I start to go through each piece of inventory that I have. And I'm like, all right, like what, what are we going to do with these pieces that well, obviously don't serve a purpose either. anymore? Exactly. Does this deserve a spot? And and you've got to re-engineer to what's coming, right? It's going to get a little worse. So like, are you going to make the choice 
to, to liquidate some of the cheaper stuff and get into like the better pieces. And I'm not talking Chanel, but I'm talking a mid tier consumer right. that can still spend. Right. That's so going my, to the office every day. That's working. Exactly, that still needs exactly. those pieces. And that, and still has disposable income. That's the correct. Reality, correct. Right. And so the other thing was, so I just posted this this week and it was like, if your business is not doing well, you're solving the wrong problem. Right. And so the reality is when sales slow down, people's automatic reaction is to stop buying, right? I mean, but listen, I did it too. <laughs> yeah. But there's yeah, a legitimate like, reason. I had a legitimate reason why I stopped. So yeah, but in general, it's like yep. a fear. It's a, a, a reaction. It to is fear, right? It oh is. Oh my God, it's close. So I better not buy anything, but you're solving the wrong problem because the problem wasn't you buying inventory in general. The problem was you're buying the wrong product. Yes. So the only way to fix the slow sales is to get rid of the shit, right? And buy better product. But if you stop buying altogether, you might make things worse because now you're sitting on bad product. Nothing new good is coming in. So it's literally just making the situation worse. So you, I, I guess that's a big thing to ask yourself is like when something's going wrong in your business and you're, you have like a knee jerk reaction to fix something, ask yourself, am I solving the right problem? Right. Am I attacking the, the root cause of, of what's happening in my business? Or is this fear going stop all operations, like abandon ship, stop right. buying. Right. Well, how's that going to help? So that's what, I mean, those are the three things I would tell people to, to really think about is like, what space are you playing in right now as all of this is going down, right? Are you fishing where the fish are? Because if you're not, you're making your life a lot harder, right? Mm -hmm. I would figure out who still has money and where's that money going? What are they buying? Who is this person? Right. No and matter then, what you sell, vintage, I don't care what well, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is- It could be car are, parts. <laughs> anything. Anything. There are people that still have money. What are they spending their money on, right? Where's that money flowing to? Because it's still moving around. Oh, yeah. Um, I've spent more money than I'd like to admit on Amazon, right? I bought myself an ice cube maker because these silly European fridges don't have ice cube makers. And that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? But the whole point is like, there's money being spent. Where is it going? Yeah. Yep. And then just make sure that if you're doing that deep dive on your inner inventory and you're realizing that, your pieces are just not going to cut it for what's coming. Get rid of them, right? And start bringing in better product with a sourcing strategy. And then before, if, if shit's hitting the fan, if things are getting ugly, when you react and just make a change in your business, I would ask myself a real serious question. Am I solving the right problem? Right. Am I attacking? Am I directing this problem solving skill to the right problem because sometimes you might make the situation worse just by acting out of fear and desperation and the last thing is if you listen if you take any of the advice i've talked about today <laughs> have a cash stash in the business have money in your personal emergency fund because having that backing of capital, ha knowing that you're going to be fine and you're going to be able to pay your bills and eat yep. will help you make more sound business decisions than when you need the cash immediately, right? I need to sell something because I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. Your decisions get a little cloudy when you're in that tough spot. So do right. 
everything you possibly can to set yourself up with a little bit of like cushion so that you can think clearly when you need to make these important decisions, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's just an important life lesson in general, whether you're reselling or not. Like that is just an essential that mm, they didn't teach us in school, but it's something that we have learned as adults that needs to happen. And hopefully as as generations come, it's things that they start to teach them, real life lessons like that, that it's just, it's crucial because what's happening right now happens every so many years and it can either be really, really bad or it could be okay and remain stable. But like, these are things that we need to consider. And especially if this is your sole income, like this, this is it. It is you and you need to make it happen. Like it's very important to have those pieces in place. And I appreciate your honesty and sharing, you know, the hard truths with people because it needs to be heard and it's uncomfortable sometimes. And you sometimes you sit back, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've totally, totally done that before 100%, but we need to hear it. Like it's, it's important. That's why I know, right? That's the other part of it is like, I'm not rich. I don't come from a rich family. Like this is my money's on the line here, right? And I've been through it. I noticed that when I'm in a tough situation, when I'm like back against the wall, I don't make the best decisions. So I make sure that I am, that I have mental clarity when I'm running this business and the money is a big part of it for me. Like I can think better and more clearly when I know that my needs and my essentials are taken care of. And the other side of this too is with, with reselling, right? Okay. Optimize your business, figure out the right product, all of that. But there's a lot of talent in the community. So if you are really great with vintage, if you have some special skill that you can share with the community why nope. not figure out the digital space? It's yep. a low barrier of entry, right? Yep. It's almost free to start anything. You can Google anything to start, right? Just to get you started on, oh my God, I know so much about vintage product. I should do a little PDF download, charge people 10 bucks for it, right? And see who wants it. Mm-hmm. 100 people, right? Is that a thousand bucks? Yeah, 100 people, thousand bucks for your knowledge, Right. I'm just saying that there is so much opportunity out there mm-hmm. that you can't let the negativity of like what's happening in the economy and these are the worst of times and the, they are, but like, I, I'm doing great during this shitty economy. A lot of my students are doing great. I mean, there are a lot of people and they say this often, right? Like millionaires, billionaires happen when times are bad. Yep. It's scary. There's also a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of talent in the community. So if you're one of those people that has something to offer, start. If sales are slow, guess what? You've been given the gift of time. Figure it out, right? Yeah. And then the other factor that we didn't mention, um, and I'm sure people are thinking about it, it's like, well, there's platforms, right? And we have no control over these platforms. And I think that's the most important thing to remember is we have zero control over these platforms. Yeah. I don't care which platform it is. They all have their ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And that's just Absolutely. the way it goes. You need to figure out how to make it work for you and when you need to kind of pivot and change. And maybe you focus more energy on one platform over another one, if that's the one that's bringing you the return. But like, there's these tools that we have in the in the community that can make it real easy to put things on other platforms. Like there's so many things out there to automate now. Like don't put all your eggs in one basket um, when there's 
so many other ways to sell product. And maybe it's not even online. Maybe for you where you live, it's being out in a booth in front of people because they have this huge event and it's like, that's where it is. And you invest that $500 to put that booth up. But now you have all these people and now you're going to have clientele. And maybe now these people are going to want to consign with you. Like there's this whole new world that can open up. A hundred percent. That's a, that's a great point. And that's, that's the idea, right? It's like, I, I guess I've just always been like a sink or swim person, right? It's going to get ugly. We're all going to get tossed around, but I'm not going anywhere. Like I decided right. to make this work and I'm going to make it work because that's, again, I got no family money coming my way, right? No sugar yeah. daddy, like, you know, like nope. we're fine, but like <laughs> there's no like billions anywhere. I'm not related to Jeff Bezos. So like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen. Right. And, and mm-hmm. things are going to happen and things are going to go bad, but you either figure it out or you don't. And those are the only two options. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we put our faith into these platforms, but they could go tomorrow. Yeah. And what? You yeah. Know? All of them. Like all these people got locked out of their Instagram. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's huge for us. Like what happens when Instagram goes away? You've got right. to make, I'm collecting emails like a crazy person, right? Well, I mean, that's what most of those like motivational type gurus out there that have grown and that yes, and now have big businesses on Instagram and TikTok and all of that. They have email lists and that's all they promote is email lists. Oh yeah. Yeah, because you can't let, you know, I don't trust that Mark Zuckerberg has my best interests in mind (laughs) over his, right? right? I got to make sure that like, I protect my business. And so that's kind of the other thing. Control what you can. If Mm -hmm. you you know, we don't know if Poshmark's going away tomorrow, but we know. And it very well could. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely could. But we have this talent. We've got this ability to like spot the deals and do the sales and all that. Like there's always going to be a way to to get through, to get ahead. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, be creative. I was just going to say that, be creative. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to end the episode. Thank you so much for coming back on and chatting with me for like, you know, almost two hours. Thanks for having (laughs) me. You know that we always go real long. We do. Um, We do. But there's, but there's good reason for it. And I think that we both think very similarly and we like to give the hard truths when people don't want to hear it. And we're kind of like, don't care if you don't want to hear it. You kind of need to hear it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you guys don't know this, but we talk offline all the time. Well, yeah. we we haven't chatted in a while. Like that's long. because life has been a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, normally we would be chatting yes. a lot. Yeah, um, you know, life's I, been a little nuts, and you travel, and yeah. when you're in and Germany, it's harder to get a hold of you. <laughs> it is the time. The time difference is a pain in the butt. Um, I wanted to. Can I add the masterclass? Yes, I want you. So before we go, Isa has yes. things she wants to say. <laughs> yeah. So we talked a lot about the business build out and I think it's amazing, but you don't have to take my word for it. You can go read the testimonials. I suggest reading all of them because it's all different people, different situations, different businesses, different capital, different life stories, everything, right? They're all getting these results, but I understand that it is an investment, right? I get it. So I have built a free masterclass that's called the more money masterclass. Okay. More money, less work. And the whole idea is, first of all, the course is really freaking dense. It's like six hours long, right? There's no way I can tell you exactly what's in there because it's like, there's just too much. But 
what I wanted to do was give people like a sneak peek of some key elements that my students learn in the course that has helped them win even during these crazy times, right? Right. So if you, I know a lot of people want to take the course and I know that the price is a barrier, right? I'm not lowering my prices, but I am offering this masterclass and it's long, it's like an hour long because I talk a lot and there's a lot of information in there, but it's totally free. And I suggest that you take it. I suggest that you take that free masterclass, get yourself some snacks some water and sit through the whole thing. I also suggest that you go into my blog. I have so many, so many entries in there, long form, uh, long form content. And it's a bunch of free information that can get you started on the right path. No, nothing compares to the course, but it is a starting point. It is if you're feeling lost or down or you don't know what's going on and you don't know where to start, you know that your business has potential, you know that it could work, but you don't know where to start. Start there. Start with the free stuff. Take the class, read the articles, and then go from there, right? But but the key is do something. Do yeah. something. Yeah, I agree. Education, knowledge, it's all power. And Whatever way you decide to consume it, just make sure it's the right information, you know, whatever that means to you and that it's going to help you to develop the business that you want in this, well, in this space. It, it's an investment that can't be taken away from you, right? Mm -hmm. It's it, like, it, it's going to beat inflation. It's going to pay off forever. It just, and it doesn't have to just be my course. I'm just saying in general, like mm -hmm. get more knowledge, consume mm -hmm. knowledge. That's what's going to help you grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, Issa reads books on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she does. If you guys want to, I have it on my Amazon list. But if you guys want to DM me, all I read all day are um, finance, business, and she's such a nerd. I love, <laughs> I love books. I get lost for hours. It's like it's a free education. It's it like is. a ten dollar getting, you know, you get to go in the mm -hmm. minds of the most the smartest people on earth for 10 yep. bucks. And this, you can get books in so many formats now. So yeah. it's like, you can be working and listening and you know, whatever. But oh, can I re recommend one book to all your readers? Yes. Yes. Go Everyone ahead. must buy the book. It's called secrets of the millionaire mind. And it's a nineties self-help book. It's kind of cheesy. The cover is kind of funny, but yeah. it's actually life-changing. And it's written in a way where it's entertaining. It's not super dense. It's really easy to understand. It's an easy read, but it will completely change your life. So if you are thinking about, if you're thinking about one book that you have to absolutely read, especially in these times, buy the book, buy it, because you're going to want to read it 70 times and highlight it. I absolutely recommend this book to everyone I talk to because we need a mindset shift. Things are going to get worse and you've got to be ready for what's coming. Yeah. It's a good recommendation. I've read that one a long time ago. I, it's definitely I one that I should that. probably go back to. It is it's quirky. It it's, you know. Time. Yeah. Like I read it every time on planes. Like I love it. Well, thank you for definitely. sharing with everyone. And Issa's information will be in the show notes. All of her, the website, everything will be linked down there for you guys. So you can access all of it. And, you know, Issa will be back again when she's doing oh, yeah. something. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe she'll just come back and we'll talk about, maybe we'll do like an episode on 
best and worst flips and why or something like that I think that would be fun I got some fun ones I also have bad ones you guys but again not nobody (laughs) wins all the time right right but I, uh, but I think, and maybe we get like a group of us together and we yeah. do something like that. I think that I'm could be down. fun. You know, I'm always down to chat with you. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, likewise, likewise. And next time, hopefully we can have Jen here with us too. So then I can feel yeah. real left out. <laughs> yeah. But you're all alone today. I know. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I don't mind being alone. It doesn't bother me. But, you know, when I get two Hispanics together, and they, but then again, I mean, we're basically the same. Italian, we Hispanic, we're basically the we same. Are. That's I'm why we like, can make two-hour episodes, no problem. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not even tired, but it's, yeah. it's 1 a.m. here, so yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back next week with Jen. Bye, everyone.